Hi, I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. All right, everyone, enjoy part one with Michelle and Craig from my church. Yay! Hey, everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Queer Teen Podcast. I'm super excited about my next guest. This is the final episode of season five, Queer Religion. I'm really um, excited to be with my church, the church that I go to, and the people that lead in my church. And uh, I'll have them introduce themselves, and then we'll get into a conversation all around everything we've been talking about this entire season and more. So take it away, Michelle, go first. Hello, my name is Michelle Mackenzie Creech. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I serve as the Director of Family Ministry and Faith Development at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Monmouth County in Lincroft, New Jersey. And I am Craig Rubano. Hello, everybody. I am co-minister of that very congregation, UUCMC, the UU Congregation of Monmouth County in Lincroft, New Jersey. Can one of you explain to my listeners exactly what the UU faith is and like what it stands for? Give a little, get a little side um, bar for that, just so people have an idea. Who wants to take it? Uh, I can take it, but just a, a brief thing. Um, uh, the roots of the the roots of Unitarian Universalists come out of the you know the Reformation period um, uh, uh, in Unitarianism. Um, uh, the other uh, then it came through England and through to the United States as Unitarian uh, Unitarian Christianity. Uh, the other part of it is Universalism, which was another uh, another branch of Christianity. Uh, in the 60s, the two merged. And they have become, and it has become um, uh, a religious movement that is more wider than uh, Christianity alone. So now I would describe it as kind of an interfaith or multi-faith or widely ecumenical faith movement. Um, we have people from many different faith traditions uh, who, who all come together to, to worship together, but hold many different belief systems uh, in their lives. Is there, I mean, I don't have an experience of this, but I'm sure there is somewhere along the line because the, the lineage of this faith is really long. It's very, it goes back so far. I mean, all of this, all religion. Um, our church is pretty open. Our church does every single thing you could possibly do to uh, uplift the community, especially the queer community, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, all the things cherry on top. So... What, give a, is there an example of not that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I, 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 you know, the conversations I've had with people from all over, it's interesting because obviously church is a community and that should be the thing that it is. It should be a community and working for all, but it doesn't do that. We know that. We know that religion, religious beliefs are very strong and people do say a lot of mean things and we have to go, we have to combat that. It take, or not take it on, but I take it on because I don't think it's right. 
Michelle, do you, is there an example for you uh, inside of the UU faith that it's pretty conservative to the point where, yes, it's UU, but because of the history of religion in general, uh, what, would, what would that experience have been like for you if you experienced it at all through, through growing up, just, just in religion? We won't even get into the whole gay stuff yet. <laughs> You broke up a little bit, so I only heard part of that. It's just asking you, what is your experience? What's your experience in the UU faith, just in religion, not even like any of the queer stuff yet of, um, you know, like that there is a negative side to it. Like what have you, the conservative side to it um, specifically, uh, have you experienced any in the UU faith with that? Because it does come from a conservative background. You know, it's not like, thank goodness people have stepped up and do what this, our church does, you know, and a lot, a lot of them. She's thinking. Just so yeah. everyone, just, just so you know, you, Michelle's a thinker and she's going to think before she speaks. And that's totally cool because I can edit down the time she thinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I, I am a thinker. Um, that's an interesting question because I, my personal experience with Unitarian Universalism is uh, is not a conservative one. Um, so, I, you know, I think later we'll get more into, you know, what my personal experience has been with it. Um, certainly in our history, you know, there have been times as a faith movement where um, we haven't been as progressive as we've wanted to be now that we look back on our history. And, um, and, and think about some things that we've said or done and, and uh, specifically with um, uh, around uh, dismantling of white supremacy and, and things like that, where uh, maybe we, we thought we were doing a good job and then now we look back and we realize we could have done better. And uh, so I think, you know, there are things like that where, you know, we are a, a liberal faith and, but sometimes we fall short, uh, you know, even when, uh, you know, in our progressiveness um, that, you know, I think that, that we could do better. And, um, you know, I don't know if Reverend Craig wants to expand on, on you know, what I was specifically referring to. Um, well, I just say that, you know, uh, both Unitarianism and Universalism were both at the, you know, at the progressive uh, edge of Christianity, and we're both declared to be uh, heretical by uh, more orthodox Christianity. So there has been a progressive edge, right from right from the very beginning of each of those traditions. Um, they flew in the face of of very strongly held uh, tenets of of uh, of more mainstream orthodox Christianity. Um, there are congregations that are more traditional in terms of their worship styles. So some some uh, some uh, congregations use a very uh, uh, formalized uh, liturgy. So it's more kind of like the Episcopalian Church in that they use a, a Book of Common Prayer. So uh, there are some congregations that exists in buildings that are that look like you know cathedrals or look like you know churches with stained glass windows and you know Christian symbols. Um, and then there are uh, more recently uh, founded um, uh, congregations that, that, that don't have those and have a much more, uh, a much looser approach to the liturgy. But I would say that 
you don't go to the gathering, and this is important for my own journey, you don't go to the gathering of Unitarian Universalist congregations like the General Assembly, and you don't hear, you know, horrendously conservative positions just accepted by, you know, as part of the diversity, um, which you do at every other uh, sort of, at least from a Christian point of view, when you go to, when you go to the, you know, United Church of Christ, which is probably the most liberal of the Christian denominations, you do have a range. And so you hear, you hear the range. Um, and, uh, and there are some, especially on LGBTQ issues, there is a, there is a big range about how accepted that is and how celebrated that is. And um, you don't have that in Unitarian Universalism. Uh, that, that kind of thing is at the center of what we do, that the worth and dignity of each person is at the very, very center. That's where we start, um, that all are worthy, that all have dignity, that all are welcome. That's a good place to start. <laughs> it seems the most logical to me. I don't know, call me crazy. Uh, but the stories are real, like the, the experience. Craig, did you always grow up? Did you grow up you, you, your whole life or did, did you? not, no, no, no. I only just, in fact, that, that's why I said it was important for my own journey because I only discovered it as a result of being, feeling a call to ministry. And I wanted to be a minister in a context where I didn't have to toe the line about certain doctrinal points that I find that nobody really understands, but they hold them anyway. Um, nor did I wanna be in a place where we were still debating uh, the worth and dignity of uh, LGBTQ folks. Um, so it was looking for a home as a minister that I discovered Unitarian Universalism. I grew up in um, the Episcopal Church, but in foreign countries. So I was pretty ecumenical, went to interdenominational churches, all within the Christian tradition. So I do, I am, I am a product of the Christian tradition, but I found the place that actually, to me, expresses the purest form of Christianity to be Unitarian Universalism. Uh, so that's where I can be the best Christian I can be, uh, and certainly where I can be the best minister I can be. I hear that. It's a, that's what led me to the UU as well, in like in 2011 or 2012 in New York, in a brand new church. And I was like, what is this? Because for a while I was like, God and me got to call it quits. I cannot bother with this. People are being mean to me. They're saying I can't be gay. I can't be myself. I was like, this is too many rules. You need to go away. Um, and then slowly but surely I have found my footing again. But that's our journeys. You know, that's what we have to discover for ourselves. I think people get really angry. I know people, you know, they spat off a lot of negative negativity, uh, specifically towards the queer community and connecting God. That's why I did this whole season based around faith, because it's so important. Everyone has some type of faith growing up. I mean, you might not go to church, but your friend does, or you might go to a Catholic school or you might do something. And it's, you hear these things and you're like, why are they saying those things? I don't feel that way. I feel, I feel, I don't feel that way. So I, I just found it very important. And in, in speaking with people like, I spoke to someone from Africa and there, I'm like, they do a queer ministry in Africa out on the street. And I was like, that is the work to do that. And to, to have a big rainbow flag flying in a country where it's illegal. So, and you could be killed. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, so that being said, moving on to what, uh, when did you guys, 
and then one can answer first when did you what was your journey like with you being queer and like that whole like connection to god oh whomever uh inside of the faith and faith in general well so i wasn't born into I wasn't born into a particular faith tradition. Um, my parents are Christian uh, and my mother was raised in the Church of God. Practices weren't a regular part of our upbringing. Um, although as I grew older, um, I could see those uh, evangelical Christian influences that shaped the beliefs of my parents. Yeah. And so, you know, growing up, I attended Catholic schools for 13 years. And um, religious education was a part of my schooling, uh, which I actually think has a lot to do with why I was called to religious education later on in life. Um, but I left the Catholic church because there were a lot of social issues that I didn't agree with. And at that time, uh, I also didn't realize that, um, I, I didn't realize that I, I was lesbian at that time. So later when I realized that I started to have an attraction and, and love that didn't fit inside of like the box of society, um, I, I realized that those influences from my parents and from school had, had really um, defined my thinking um, in my life. So it, so it was really hard um, for me. So the process of coming out for me was, had a lot to do with being a part of a Unitarian Universalist community. And I found a Unitarian Universalist community because I was missing being a part of a faith community, um, but I needed to find something that was accepting of who I was. And my you know, then partner, now my wife and I were together, we'd been together for like four or five years, and I still wasn't out to uh, my family or friends and uh, co-workers and, and things like that. And she supported me on that journey. She had been out and sort of, you know, came back in the closet with me. And um, so I found this place that was incredible and amazing and, uh, and ended up um, being somewhere that I, I ended up going to work in. But so here's the thing is that my relationship with God and my sexuality, um, there was, there was re really never a connection between the two because my relationship got, with God has always been a personal one. And so um, my relationship with God has evolved and that is pretty common for many Unitarian Universalists. Um, we really um, encourage people to sort of search for truth and meaning in their lives. We tell our children in our religious education programs that uh, throughout life um, that their beliefs may um, continue to evolve and change. And, um, and, and that's true for many. Um, some you use believe in God and, and some don't. And so my own personal relationship with with God has changed. Um, I very much identify with sort of the uni universalist understanding 
of um, God and that um, God is an all loving God um, that uh, that is um, that's entirely loving and that human beings are redeeming um, that that wouldn't be damned to hell um, and and although many UUs have may have different names um, for God or what is sacred or holy to them um, I for, for me I might call that love and um, so I was lucky in that uh, and that because it was so personal for me I didn't struggle with my relationship with God but a Unitarian Universalist community was the thing that helped me um, be okay with who I who I am and supported me on my journey of coming out um, which is really huge huge Greg uh, well and and in, in the same way that one's relationship to um, the, the divine or uh, one's relationship to an organized uh, uh, religious community uh, can evolve. I think one's uh, identity, one's personal identity or affectional sexual orientation, gender identity can also evolve. Um, so uh, um, I think my own understanding has, has slightly changed um, over the years. Uh, I never I never was. I never felt like I was right in the at the center of of one of those kind of identities. At least the way I saw them depict the way that I saw them depicted. But what I've come to understand is that, um, you know, and, and I always thought, well, I'm not a very good role model because um, if I were a gay man, like this, 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 and this would be true. And I don't like any of that stuff, or you know. But what I've found that really the best role model that one can be is to be authentically oneself. And if I can claim an identity as a gay man and um, be authentically me, it actually expands the definition of what being a gay man is. Um, and so, so I have come to that um, realization that I can be um, that I can be the best kind of role model by being myself. Um, but that said, it's uh, it's it's sort of changed. You know, I had a time when I thought of it as more kind of bisexual, and then I had a partner um, for a while, and so then I would felt really kind of solidly, you know, gay man because I was in a partner with a gay man, so it seemed like the logical. And then I have not had a partner in a quite a long time, and now it almost seems kind of theoretical. Uh, <laughs> my gayness seems almost kind of irrelevant in a way because it doesn't really inform any part of my life uh, that I can demonstrate. So, um, so I don't, but I, I guess I don't consider myself asexual, uh, but uh, I guess I still consider myself a, a gay man, but, um, but uh, my, my particular brand. And, uh, and I think that's what's really important and for your listeners to hear, you know, you, there are a lot of models now, you know, you can get a lot of information through the internet, whatever, and see a diversity within a particular sort of category but I think it's really important that everybody know that they are their own version of whatever their identity is and that it's, uh, that it's really an achievement to come to a place where you understand that I am me and I have some common ground with this and this and this. And so maybe I identify in this way because sometimes just identifying is just an easier way. It's almost like a public service announcement for other people, you know, so they can know kind of where you are. Um, uh, even if it doesn't feel like you 
want to claim that when you're just by yourself. But just what you what you do want to claim when you're by yourself is the authenticity of who you are. And if we all did that, the categories, I don't know what would happen to the categories. Maybe they would all disappear. Maybe we would just be people. Uh, maybe we would just be people with interests and um, finding ourselves attracted to people that we love. And uh, you know, I sometimes wonder if the categories themselves restrict us from being who we are. Well, I can't do that because if I'm a gay man, then I can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe I can, or I should, if that's what I feel like doing, or that's what I feel like would be most authentically myself. So hopefully Unitarian Universalism allows people to be their authentic selves. That's on the best of our days, that's what we strive for. I mean, that's it. That's very well said. Um, I have talked to lots of people and there's, it is on the spectrum of everything, you know, like it doesn't, the problem is we box ourselves in because of society and there's these made up rules that actually do not exist. None of those rules exist. None of them do. And going on this journey with God or whomever and your spiritual faith and, and your upbringing certainly is going to have an impact on you, no matter who you are, you know, it's not going to define you. Hopefully it doesn't define you the rest of your life and you can sort of break out and be who you are and, and be your authentic self with integrity um, and kindness and understanding, but you're going to have those moments where, like you said, you know, do I just say that? Or like, just because people think that's what it is, but to me, you can say whatever you want. You can say you're purple, you know what I mean? Like, and, it, and as long as you're being true to yourself and, and getting the message across in some way, and you both do that like immensely because that's it's what you love to do and it's also your job and it's and, and and it's very welcoming inside of where we go to church in our in our church um so let's segue into that but thank thank you both for sharing your stories by the way because it's important to have two sides to every three four five six seven sides to every single story ever told in the history of the world from only before your- you jump into that though I, I want to say I appreciate what you said, Craig, because I've been in a 20 year marriage and sometimes it, it feels like, you know, the box that I need to check is lesbian because I've been in a 20 year marriage with a woman. Um, but, you know, it doesn't always roll off the tongue easily, um, not because of, um, you know, not because of any sort of, of shame or that challenge that I talked about earlier with initially coming out um, because you know these boxes that you know either we put ourselves in or that society puts us in um, you know don't necessarily fit well Uh, you know I don't think we were born to be in boxes and so I think that it's that's you know important an important thing you know to lift up and you know I hope we all um can keep getting better and better at that and, um, and, you know, maybe removing those boxes. But I I will say that um, I do, you know, personally, one of the things that I try to do, um, especially because part of my job is to, is specifically working with children and youth, is to define myself because I find that in doing that, um, it helps others on their journey um, because of my visibility and because uh, because I'm um, a person that they see. Um, so, 
so that's one way that I've put myself, you know, forward to, to try to um, be supportive of children and youth. Um, but it's not always easy, but that makes me, that makes me reflect a little bit about um, one of the other messages, you know, that I might share in doing that is that, you know, you don't have to check the box. So I've learned something here today. You don't, you really don't. There's no, there's no rules. It's just, there's no rules. That's it. Me and my husband talk about it all the time. And we are both also going on a journey of our sexuality still. And I identify mostly as queer. I don't really say I'm a gay man very much anymore um, because I value that word. And I think that word to me is all encompassing. And like, you don't, you can't put me anywhere if I just say I'm queer and you don't have to think about it. And I like that. I like to challenge people. Well, I love to challenge people. So it's like one of the best things ever to do in life with respect and integrity, of course, inside of what I'm doing. Um, but I like to be challenged as well. I mean, I have come across some like, I always, I never refer to anybody as anything other than they are themselves until they tell me who they are and, and I get to know them. And I think that's one of the most important things we need to continue to do. And anything we do inside of, especially inside of religion, do not refer to an entire group of people if it seems like a bunch of women as just women, it's a group of people until you get to know them. And then, and I think that's something I continuously continue to learn and to understand as best as I can. Um, but with that education, it's a good segue. Um, two questions. One, this one's from Michelle. Just ex- you can, I'll let Craig go first, but I'll actually I'll ask Craig first. When you're um, every week, you, we do services and stuff and um, and you have to sit down and you have to write your sermon. Um, when you're doing that process, because a lot of people, I, I also talk about leadership a lot because you are, you know, when you get in front of a, a congregation, you are a leader. People are going to look up to you no matter what. It just comes with what you do. And it's a great, it's a great thing to have. And I train a lot of I, I queer leadership programs and to get these kids, I mean, kids that are 12 are already leading these amazing things. When you're, when you're sitting there and you're writing, what's something you always keep in mind um, getting in front of the congregation specifically? Because we have some very, very old people that go to our church and they've been going to the church since the beginning. And then we have kids, you know, and then everyone else in the middle. Um, what is your experience to continue to grow and to, I don't know if you do this, but to really make sure that you keep it very like all encompassing as much as you can and get your point across. And then I'll ask Michelle's question after Craig answers. Well, that's, um, I mean, some of that comes with the territory, comes with the Unitarian Universalist territory because uh, um, uh, I always ask my, I always ask my, you know, Christian friends who are ministers, like, imagine now that your congregation has um, 25 Jewish people in it, and like two Muslims, and uh, a few Hindus, and, and, and 30 Buddhists. Now, how do you, now, how do you give your sermon? You know, and <laughs> I, I, what I find, I find really great about Unitarian Universalism is that you don't assume, that's my, I have a bird clock, everybody, that's going off in the background, you may hear it, don't be alarmed. I love it. It does not come into my house with me. It does sound like uh, it's coming at you. (laughs) You never assume, so that's what happens in a lot of Christian churches, the minister gets up and delivers the party line, 
irrespective of what's going on in build in in pews um so there could be as many different versions of christianity as people in there yeah. but the minister delivers the party line according to the minister um when i get up i'm trying to speak to hopefully that everybody has a way to hear um my message so i you know i i i neutralize you know gender i make sure that i don't use you know religious terms that are loaded if I do, I explain why I'm using them. Or if I bring something from my Christian tradition, I do it explicitly and say, this is part of you know, where I come from and here's what we can learn from it. So I'm very explicit about anything that is um, you know, sectarian in any kind of way. And I try otherwise to be very neutral. And especially with um, you know, the people that I use and that I quote, or uh, resources, I try to I try to use resources that also are are very diverse. So I specifically you know look for you know non-white you know cisgender straight sources um, so that I can vary it up so that the people I'm quoting, the people I'm drawing from, um, are not just the product of you know maybe my education. Although I was lucky to go to schools that had a pretty diverse thing but i you know and i and i and i flip if i tell a story and it's written a certain way i flip the gender or i change the name so it could be either or both or many different genders uh, could be attached to uh, i shouldn't say either or because it's both and um but uh so so i try to do that so that everybody has a way in that's do you know I mean, that is so powerful and people don't even realize how powerful that is. Um, I mean, we do. And people don't realize I'm doing it. People don't no. realize I'm doing it. And unfortunately, I do have to do it deliberately. Because, yeah, of course. And I think we all do because we're all our own content. Yeah. So if it were if it were up to me, I might gravitate towards a certain pers person or source material or whatever mm -hmm. because it speaks to me. Right. Um, but I have to realize I'm not just speaking to myself. I'm speaking to a whole bunch of people who are not me. Yeah. And I also tell people as like, if you're doing something that's going to be in a public forum, right, and you are nervous about saying something that might offend someone, you can definitely go, I tell this to my listeners, like, you can definitely ask someone for sound advice inside of something that you do want to talk about. Or if you have the opportunity, invite them to speak on behalf of the thing that you want to talk about that you don't necessarily feel comfortable. And that has to go a lot with uh, black rights, black trans rights, um, Black Lives Matter, anything like anything that if you don't feel comfortable, you certainly I think people get really nervous, especially white people, because they feel like they're doing a disservice to the to, to the, the movements. And I don't and I and I and I speak to so many types of people and I'm like, they don't care as long as you you just are respectful and you ask questions. And I think people get nervous about that because it's a double-edged sword with all of this, right? With racism and then you seeing, using your white fragility. And I, and I think it's very important to always bring those things up and, uh, and that's okay. And then just look to sources and look even deeper, change pronouns, make it more exciting, make it more fun. And you're right. They might not even know you're doing that. Actually, they most likely will not know you're doing that, but, um, but there might be one person is like, Oh, like a kid or you know like that's like oh no really? that includes come up to me afterwards yeah. and say i heard i heard you i heard you with that name you used for the kid in the story i heard exactly. that because they knew what i was you know they knew what i was doing well they know, didn't know what i was doing but they heard it like i'm included in this story 100 percent. because he just said they 
Yep. You know, he referred to the person as they, we don't know. And people come up to me, oh, I love the story about the boy and his dog. And another one, I love the story about the girl and her dog because there was no gender. Right. And people heard it through their own lens. And exactly. then somebody else came up and said, I heard the story about the, about the gender uh, non-conforming kid in your story you know i mean everybody hears hears through their lens but if you if you if you kind of make things more uh, accessible then everybody can uh, feel included and that has happened especially especially with uh, transgender gender nonconforming uh folks um uh gender non-binary um that it, it doesn't take a whole lot to they make not. people able to see themselves reflected in your words All right, that is part one of My Church with Michelle and Craig. Uh, part two uh, is going to come up next week. So thank you for listening. Of course, uh, it's an informative conversation because I go to this church and I love this church and I love all of the things that we do and the people that are there and, and everything that is uh, constantly going on um, there for everybody that comes and who are involved and um, different activities, and just the community. It's just really beautiful. So get ready for part two for next week. Uh, but I want to thank my honor sponsor, Michael J. Gabrowskitz. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and thanks for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen, learn, love.